The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good evening. Welcome. Glad you are here. A Wednesday on WTMJ Nights. Hopefully you'll want to get involved in the show because we'd love to have you. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. When you call in, you'll be talking to Matt. He's producing the big broadcast. Be nice to Matt. He's working hard. He's had a hard day. His dog has diarrhea. A lot of uh, awful things happening to poor Matt. So be nice to him. You can also text us. We love the text, don't we? Sure. Um, text question of the night is how do you feel about the legislature voting to support the funding for AmFam Field. That's right. The legislature got it done today. They uh, There was some compromise, and the they voted to, yes, we're going to do the funding package. And so it looks like if everything goes as planned, the Brewers will be around for at least until uh, at least 2050. So that's good. That's probably longer than some of us will be around. So I'm happy about that. Uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about all the specifics in a minute, uh, Matt. We haven't talked in a couple days. Uh, you you had a little. Now this is the same. I mentioned the dog with the diarrhea, and if you're eating dinner, I apologize, but uh, you know things uh, things pop in. I've had dogs with that ailment before, and it is never it is never fun. Did you did you feed the dog something different that uh, no. might have brought this on? I don't know. He always gets it once a year. And it just so happened that this was the time that he got it. He now, this w- is the same dog that wouldn't ride in the car with you. Yes, the it's day. the same one. It, may, it might be nerves. Who knows? Could be. I don't know, but... Could be he knows you were talking about him on the radio. Yeah. Oh, if that's the case, tomorrow's a whole story. Um, <laughs> but I think it was... You could have ate something on a walk. I'm not sure. But yeah. he's fine. He feels bad for doing his business in a place where he shouldn't have done his business. Old um, house? Yeah, right on the carpet. Oh no. I the and that's you know, um you can't get too mad at him because we all know when your stomach is upset you can't really you know, they can't tell you and sometimes you gotta go when you gotta go with that kind of thing. I always feel bad. That's that's happened that's happened to us over many years with the uh, with our dogs. And then one time we went to pick our dogs up. They had stayed at my mom's, and one of them got sick like that. And I was like, oh, no, that's that's never good. But he's okay? He, he's okay. He's Like I said, feels bad that he did his business in the house, and he's also mad because we're not giving him anything in excess, like treats or bones, right. because we're trying to – you know, flush the system, isolate the issue. Settle his stomach. Yeah. Exactly. And so when he does something that he might get a treat for and uh, he doesn't get a treat, it's, uh, you know, he gets yeah, mad. He's a little put off. I don't blame him. Yeah. When I get a treat, when I deserve a treat, I want my treat. Exactly. So, Humans yes. should think more like dogs. <laughs> no, because dogs love you unconditionally, and I put a lot of conditions on my affection <laughs> I, and my loyalty. I can't, uh, no, there's, like, dogs are nice to just about everybody. I would be I would be like Biden's dog, just biting people nonstop, just going crazy. You know, it's good for a dog with a, a stomach issue, white rice with hamburger. So you, you dr- brown up the hamburger, drain all the grease off it, and then make some regular white rice, and you mix it together, 
and the dogs love it because it's got that beef smell and flavor, and the rice helps bind them up. That came from many vets over the years. Plus, the dogs think you're making them a special dinner, which is fantastic. You know, my mom does that for our dogs sometimes when they're at her house just because. Because she's like, well, they didn't eat their food. And I'm like, well, you know, of course they didn't eat their food because they knew you were going to make them a treat. Are we still here, Matt? Oh, yeah. Okay, I just say everything went really, really quiet, like weirdly quiet. All right, let's talk a little bit about this uh, AmFam funding deal. The AmFam field, it's, uh, you know, the like I said, the Brewers are going to hang around. Um, and that is the text question of the night. How do you feel about the legislature voting to fund this package, a $546 million ballpark financing plan? Uh, the aim was, of course, to keep the Brewers in Wisconsin. $411 million coming from the state, which is, you know, the state has a $7 billion surplus. So, okay, $400 million from the state. $135 million being split between Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee. They, they're going to pay that over 30 years. So, you know, it's not a, hey, you owe us some money right now. And then the brewers themselves uh, will provide $100 million. So, okay, according to Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, he says the package is, quote, strong for the taxpayers, strong for the team, and really strong for our entire economy. It's the third proposal that came out of the uh, the state officials. We're getting, uh, I'm gonna, oh, I'm going to have to read some of these texts in the break because they are long. A lot of people with strong opinions, and that is fine. Um, the stadium isn't, isn't owned by the Brewers, just so you know that. The stadium is largely owned by Southeast Wisconsin Professional Baseball Park, Di- Park District, which I'm sure many of you knew. It's a state-created agency that leases the ballpark to the Brewers. Um, it requires the stadium district to pay for most of the ballpark's long-term maintenance and renovation. In February, the governor had proposed spending $290 million on Amfam Field as part of a $104 billion budget proposal. Um, that was, nope, plan was scrapped. The Republicans said no to that one. Then a $290 million payment would have been combined with the $70 million already set aside for the stadium district. The revised proposal, which they released last week, Reduced the city and county to each paying $67.5 million over 27 years. That was designed to attract uh, some more Democratic support. City and county would still contribute revenue under the proposal. So uh, there it goes. It includes a requirement that the team designate one home game per month from April through September as a discount ticket day for all Wisconsin residents and an increase from $20,000 to $40,000. The team is required to donate annually to youth sports they're looking to upgrade the uh, winterizing the park so it can be used for concerts and other events during the off season, which I think is fantastic. Um, so there you go. Whether uh, whether you're for it or not, and I want to hear both sides from you, but uh, it's it appears that it's going through, which is good. You know, you don't want to see you don't want to see the Brewers leave. Now I know I know Anastasio had said that uh, he 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 walked that back. He didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay, and that's terrific. But um, at Nazio, I mean, but um, you know, now now it is. Matt, we have another uh, tip for your dog's indigestion. Really, canned pumpkin helps dogs. That's too. what we did yesterday. It worked. The canned pumpkin helped a little bit, as far as I know. All right, good. A, a couple texters sending that in. 
So, very nice. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to go over some of these. I don't know if I'll be able to read all these texts in their entirety because they are uh, quite lengthy. You guys have strong feelings. But we will uh, we'll get the gist and uh, try to figure out uh, what's going on in the House of Representatives. Is uh, If you're a Republican, I'd really like to know how you feel about this because, you know, well, we'll get into it. It's WTMJ Nights. Question of the night at 855-616-1620, the old National Bank Talk text line, is how do you feel about the legislature approving the funding package of $546 million for the renovations and improvements and just long-term maintenance of American Family Field? Uh, from the 262, good thing to keep the team in town, but I think too much state money versus local regional money. Uh, Jeff, part of his text says, I disapprove of any taxpayer or public funding to pay their rent because it's unfair to residents who can't afford to watch or attend games. I also dislike the threats to leave and think it's problematic that Atnazio just invested in soccer and now can't pay more money for this. Uh, Peter says, in part, what I find disturbing is that Governor Evers' original plan set aside a mere, in quotes, $290 million from the current state surplus, and because it wouldn't all be needed at once and could grow over the 27 years, that's all that would be needed, and future state revenue wouldn't need to be diverted to fund this. Uh, let's see, and uh, Dan wants, uh, we'll have to look into this. Speaking of Voss and the budget, can you talk about how he's screwing all of us UWM employees out of our planned raises in January? I will look into that. Um so there you go. All right. Uh, if you're if you are Republican, I need to know how you feel about what's going on in the House of Representatives. If you don't know for sure, if you don't know what's happening today, Jim Jordan lost a second um, vote for Speaker of the House. He actually lost it by more than he did yesterday. Uh, Twenty-two Republicans said no. Uh, he can only lose four if he hopes to win the speakership. Uh, he is doubling down, saying he's not going to quit. It's going to, you know, he's going to, he, he has a path forward, he says. Uh, meanwhile, some Republican lawmakers are coming out and saying that they've received uh, threats once they said they weren't going to vote for Jim Jordan. Uh, there's, been, you know, some strong arm tactics that have been allegedly put forward to try to get. Uh, to try to get uh, Jim Jordan's speaker candidacy put through. It seems like, and, well, it seems like the Republicans can't get their act together. You know, you had Steve Scalise win in a ballot last week. Then he came out, and all of a sudden he couldn't win, so he dropped out. Jim Jordan comes out, He oh, he wants to be the speaker. Uh, a lot of Republicans are saying no. Then somehow, somehow the Republicans... Uh, Kevin McCarthy, the former speaker, and some other Republicans are blaming the Democrats for being in this position. Uh, it wasn't a Democrat who tried to oust Kevin McCarthy. It wasn't, you know, did the Democrats vote against him? Yes, of course they did. That's how it goes. But eight Republicans voted against him, too, and a Republican is the one, Matt Gates, who put him up for removal. So I think it's a little disingenuous to say that the, the Democrats are behind all this. But as I look at this, I'm like, Did, how long is this going to go? Because we've got to get, we've got to get a speaker in there. 
we've got to be able to do business as a government. You know, we have another budget shortfall coming up or another potential closing of the government. We have uh, arguments about funding for Israel and Ukraine and just all the regular legislative business that has to be done. And it's just not uh, it's just not getting done. You see, uh, I saw one Republican congressperson today. He was I can't remember where exactly he was from. But uh, somebody asked him, a reporter, how, did, how does this make you guys look? And he said, it makes us look like fools. And it does. It's like, wait a minute. You have the majority in the House. You can't get it together? Why? I'm wondering why more mainstream or moderate Republicans are having such a hard time controlling the fringe. Because the fringe seems to be the ones calling the shots. You know, if you remember when Kevin McCarthy was trying to win the speakership, he had to make so many concessions to that fringe element of the party, the Freedom Caucus. He had to he had to give up all this stuff, and that's why he's out. Because one of his concessions was that one person could call for his removal, and it had to come to a vote. Um, that was probably wise in hindsight but you know what are you gonna do um, but yeah it just I'm amazed at the silence from a lot of a lot of people now you're getting more and more um, the talking heads on both conservative and other media who are calling out this thing anchors on Fox are breaking bad just uh, you know calling this out and saying how stupid it is and you know watching anchors listen to some of these uh, Congress people make excuses and just rolling their eyes or calling back on them listen I I fully expected with a majority that the Republicans have the have the speakership that's how that's how it should be that's how it always has been but listen if you can't handle it, Maybe maybe we work on something. Maybe you can find somebody more in the center. Maybe you can find a more center-leaning Democrat or a more, you know, you only have to you only have to keep every Republican before. You can probably find another candidate who's not going to alienate as many people as Jim Jordan's going to be. And let's be honest, part of the reason that Jim Jordan is reviled by a lot of not only people, not only people in his own party, but other people, is because of the allegations from Ohio State. And one of the rest, one of the the former wrestlers came out today and was uh, kind of doing a counterpoint to one of the speeches that called Jim Jordan a a fighter. So that's part of it. Part of it was that he is rumored to have been a big part in the election denial, uh, that he had some warning about January 6th. There are a lot of Republicans who don't fall into those categories, who if the party hopes to do anything to save itself, you better get on the stick. Um, I've said this for a while. This is from the 262 uh, every last person in Washington needs to be fired. Send a message that we're tired of their childish us versus them behavior. Well, here's the thing. They can all be fired. We have the power to fire all of them with elections. 
And yet, we keep voting in a lot of the same people. You know, I've said this countless times, that job was not meant to be a lifetime job. I'm a big fan of term limits. Get some people in, you don't like them, hey, guess what? You get two terms, you're out. Somebody else has to come in. We got to keep trying. New blood on both sides. This is not a this is not a partisan issue. This is let's, you know, if you're not doing the job, you got to go. Even if you are doing the job. Thank you for your help. Um, you know, talk to your talk to your successor, but you have to go too. And you know, to the texter in the 262, you make a good point, but if we keep voting people in, we only have ourselves to blame for this. And that's why we're in the situation we're in. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, oh, it'll always be time for news. Who knows what's happening here on the Brian Noonan, WTMJ Knights, 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, you can send people to college, and that doesn't make them smart. We all know that. Sometimes even the most educated people uh, can be the dumbest people on the planet. Uh, that's what two Marquette University students are demonstrating to all of us. I understand to a point that in this day and age, people want to be famous. They want to be famous on social media. They want everything to go viral. Your, your self-worth is judged by how many followers you have, how many subscribers you have, how many likes you got on something. Um, if you can get to a point where you can monetize your YouTube channel so that uh, you can then not have to really uh, you know, get a regular job, you can be a content creator, which is the most ridiculous job title I think in the history of job titles, because it's it's very vague. Everything is content, you know. We're creating content right now. Uh, if you if you go on the internet, that's all content. Everything's content. So these two yahoos at Marquette University got arrested because police say they repeatedly told people they were going to blow up the Al McGuire Center and document those reactions for a YouTube prank. Uh, in the current climate that the world is in, and, you know, the climate that has been since 9-11, basically, uh, joking about bombing, probably one of the top stupid things. Uh, and you can get mad at me if you want, uh, but if you're... Um, if you're someone who is of Middle Eastern descent, probably really stupid. Just because there's people who are looking at you anyway. The reason I say that is the perpetrator's name is Mohammed Senna. He's from Milwaukee. He was charged with disorderly conduct, which is just a misdemeanor. Uh, I, don't, I don't quite get that. A student videographer was arrested, has not yet been charged. I also have a problem with this part. So according to the criminal complaint, Senna approached Marquette University Police Department officer with another student recording, uh, who would, you know, his videographer. And he said, he asked the officer if he liked the caftan he was wearing. Um, caftans are traditionally worn by members of the Muslim faith, in case you didn't know that. The police officer said it looked good, and Senna responded that he was going to blow this place up. You would think that the officer would have taken him into custody right then. 
But no, uh, the officer told him he couldn't make statements like that. And he said that he was only joking. I may be overreacting a little. But if you say that to a police officer, I would expect that police officer to detain you a little bit and question you a little further. And maybe that detainment would convince you that jokes are supposed to be funny. And yes, you might get reactions from people because you're videotaping this dressed in your caftan, which if you were just going to the basketball game in your caftan, I got no problem with that. But if you're doing this to intentionally scare people and then laugh at their responses, um, you need to have a little scared straight moment, I think, with at least the campus police. But this officer let him go, which uh, I would like. I would, I'd like that looked into as well. <laughs> Boy, I saw like a Karen. I would like to see your manager, uh, police uh, campus police officer at Marquette. I, w- I would like to talk to your manager. Why did your officer let this man just wander off with his videographer when he told them he was going to be blowing things up? Well, so they just walked away. Uh, just a couple minutes later, a student came up and reported to the police that both Senna and his videographer had been approaching students in the crowd saying they were going to blow up the building. About 2,000 people were at the, uh, at the event. So at this point, they're like, well, we can't, uh, we can't have this anymore. And they arrest the two guys. They were searched. Police didn't find any evidence uh, to make the threat seem valid, so they did not evacuate or sweep the building for explosives. How do you feel about that? Now, this one may have been really obvious once the police got involved that it was not a serious threat. But do we ever really know anymore? What was the school the other morning? There was a school, a local school the other morning that got evacuated. Um, we're hearing about bomb threats in schools all the time. We're hearing about, you know, synagogues and mosques being on high alert because of what's happening in Israel and Palestine. I don't think anymore it's too much to take a little extra look. It sounds like it sounds like they talked to these kids and were convinced it was a joke and didn't didn't go on. And in any other situation, you don't want to create a panic, but you also don't want to just let stuff go because it's a joke. The university has said that both students are subject to the student conduct process separate from their legal procedures. That process is confidential. It's a hearing between the students and a university conduct administrator. The administrator will then decide whether the case will be handled through an administrative hearing or a student conduct review board. They could be put on probation. They could be suspended. They could be expelled. And uh, then Marquette's dean of students uh, or an associate dean of students will make the final call. But I don't know. It's like the people who still think it's funny. You know, they won't do it to TSA, but they'll say it about having a bomb or a gun in their bag. It's not funny. And you know why you don't do it to TSA? Because they don't play. Because then you don't get on the airplane. And the campus right. police should be the same way. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. There, There is no excuse for them to not... For that officer not to take them into custody right away. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, you're 21. That's what this kid is, 21. Uh, Oh, he's going to make a big splash on YouTube. 
all of a sudden, if you are faced with the reality of the situation, that's going to change your outlook. There's plenty of funny things on YouTube and TikTok. Plenty of funny things. I don't think threatening to blow up a sports complex on a university campus is one of them. And I have, I have been accused of not uh, you know, making bad jokes in the past, and I will cop to that, sure. But I've never threatened anybody with my humor. I've never walked up and gone, you know what I'm going to do? I uh, see this backpack. i got about four handguns in it, and I'm just going to open fire. <laughs> I'm kidding. Come on. Can't take a joke? No, not about that we can't take a joke. You know, if you had said, you know, uh, how do you like this caftan? Would it surprise you that I'm commando underneath? That, you know, I would like to see some people react to him telling him he's not wearing underwear under his caftan. But um, not a bomb. Just not funny. Not funny at all. So, you know, I don't want, listen, I don't want this kid's life ruined because of this. I don't think, uh, I don't think he should be expelled from school. I think it's one of those things there has to be some sort of consequence for this action. There will be some legal consequence, but it's just a misdemeanor. So it'll probably be a ticket, maybe a small fine, um, maybe, maybe a little probation. But the school should put him on a little probation too, just so they know. Uh, Texter from the 262, they both should be expelled, and isn't it a felony to make a threat about blowing it up? Harsh punishment equals safer reality. I was surprised that the threat was just a misdemeanor for disturbing the peace, or disorderly conduct, rather. So... That's a question. We'll have to. I'll have to send a note to Jeff Wagner because he is an attorney, and I don't have any return, attorneys on speed dial anymore, thankfully. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm so I'm surprised that it doesn't carry a little stiffer penalty than what uh, what these guys are getting uh, getting charged with. All right, let's take a quick break, and then there is more on WTMJ Nights. Hey, it's Brian Nuna with you until nine o'clock tonight. Um, we were talking about these two Marquette uh, kids who were uh, kids, 21. All right, Matt, you're a young man. Where, where do 21-year-olds fall? They're legally adults. Uh, I call them kids because I'm much older than 21. But uh, 21-year-olds going to a major university, they should, they should know better. Exactly. You say? Yes. All right. All right. You, you wanted them out. You think they should be expelled as well. For this type of threat? In this context, in this situation, yes. All right. Um, from the 414, because we always like hearing different differing opinions. Uh, 414 says, I don't know, this is usually a case with children, and I'm sure most of these children have mental illness. That's, well, that, that's a theory. Again, these guys are 21. Um, yes, you can be 21 at a major university and have mental illness, but it, you know, it doesn't seem that way, but that's me making a judgment as well. What irritates me is the conversation has always put them in jail, but that does not go to fix the issue. It's clear you guys don't understand their humor. Well, I understand humor pretty well. This is not humor. Uh, no, I've, I've, I've been applying <laughs> my trade for a long time. I get, I get humor. Um, it seems like a rebellious thing. People take these threats way too seriously, and rebellious kids will always find that funny. I don't think I don't think we can take these kind of threats way too seriously. The texture goes on. I would like to see the stats on how many actual terrorists warn people before they do it. Well, if you look at all the coverage of any school shooter, usually they've posted something on 
social media before they did it. You know, so do I think these guys should go to jail? We didn't say that. I said they, you know, I was surprised that they're not, you know, it's just a misdemeanor. Uh, I think they, I differ with Matt. I think they should be on some sort of probation at school because you did threaten to blow up one of the school's facilities. But a probation doesn't, you know, doesn't affect your future. I don't want these kids... I don't want these kids' futures ruined, but I think sometimes you have to, because it's easy, it is easy for people to say something is a joke. How many times have we heard people who wildly misspeak? Oh, I was just joking. Even in your own life, you know, somebody will say something mean, and then once you, once they realize that they heard it, they go, hey, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. It was just a joke. Mm, not always. And I think you can be rebellious. There's a lot of great comics who are very much on the edge. Uh, but one of those comics, T.J. Miller, uh, was on a train and texted that he was going to blow up the train, and he got arrested. I like T.J. Miller's humor. That was a misstep. That doesn't mean that, you know, all humor is bad or that anybody who makes these threats has mental illness. It just means that you have to think about what you say because words have consequences. And I know that is an unpopular stance, but I love unpopular stances. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. I want to come back because what starts out as horrible news ends with a glimmer of hope. And I think with all that's going on in the world and everything we've kind of talked about up to this point, a glimmer of hope would be nice. We'll do it next on WTMJ Nights. All right, a couple minutes before we head to the news, uh, we've been paying a lot of attention to, as we should, and I talked about this yesterday when I was in for Jeff Wagner, of the killing of Ja'Kari Robinson, the 12-year-old boy in Milwaukee whose body was found uh, malnourished, decomposing. Just a, a horrible, horrible story. And another horrible story happened just a couple days ago. Now, this was... This was not in Milwaukee. It was outside of Chicago. And you may have heard about it because it's being investigated as a hate crime. A man stabbed and killed a six-year-old boy 26 times because this man was a Muslim. This kid and his mom are Muslim. Uh, the mom was seriously wounded, but she is um, she's going to be okay, hopefully. But uh, the young boy, the six-year-old boy, Wadea Al-Fayome, is, uh, is dead. And he was killed by a man who was upset because of Hamas's attack on Israel. Now, that's very understandable to be upset by Hamas's attack on Israel. Uh, it's not, and th this guy was the la their landlord, just to throw in an extra wrinkle. It's not okay. And that's the understatement of my life to uh, take it out on a six-year-old boy who has nothing to do with Hamas, who is just living outside of Chicago with his mom and going about his day being a six-year-old in first grade and uh, living his life and, you know, practicing his religion with his parents, not causing any trouble. Um, so it just, 
It bothers me. But here's here's the ray of hope. I told you there was I told you there was horrors and then there was a ray of hope. So a group of rabbis from Chicago contacted the uh, Muslim leaders and said, listen, we would like to come to the funeral if it would not be disruptive and if it would be okay because this is, um, this is unacceptable. One of the rabbis said, um, we believe in calling out hatred and terror and the murder of innocents. He said, Hamas did that to us and we call that out. At the same time, there is no place in the United States for terror and hatred in any form, and we stand against that. So they reached out to the Muslim leaders, and the Muslim leaders said, yes, that would be, you know, um, that would be great. We would like you to come. We would like to show people that we're able to decry what's going on in the Middle East and also look at this and go, this is unacceptable. And it doesn't matter what religion you are. So um, they said, the, the Muslim leaders said it would be meaningful, and so the rabbis went. And the Muslim leaders had said, hey, uh, you know, they told the rabbis we would treat the, that they would treat them with respect, that they were guests, uh, that they could talk politics another day. But this was a day for that faction of the Jewish community to go and pay respects and in a, in a very visible way show people who saw the story that this isn't everybody and there are innocent people that are involved in this and we need to, uh, we need to keep that in mind as all the rhetoric keeps getting more and more heated. All right. We are going to lighten things up a little bit, or maybe not, after the news, because it's a rare Wednesday edition of Tundra Talk. Brandon Snide joins me after the news, which comes your way right after this on WTMJ Nights. It's time for Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. Here's your host, Brian Newton with Brandon Snide. Yes, the Packers had a bye week. Everybody's rested. Oh, it's on to the Super Bowl. Or maybe not. Brandon Snide is here. He's here every week. Hi, Brandon. Did you enjoy your bye week? Oh, I did, Brian. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to turn on the TV on a Sunday afternoon and not have to worry about it ruining your day. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know what I... I know exactly you know what, what mean? you mean. Yes, you just turn it on. The kids, you know, my kids are coming in asking me stuff. Hey, come on in. Don't you know? You're not bothering me. It's it's, it's all good here. Nobody's Matt Lafleur is not making me mad. Joe Barry is not making me mad. I'm good to go today. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was great. I love I love the bye week. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the Packers bye week. You and I talked about it last week. Yep. I thought it came at a good time for this team uh, this year. Last year was week 14, um, but this year was much needed. So I think. Uh, I enjoyed my Sunday, you know, without Packers football, and hopefully hopefully they enjoyed their week off and they're ready to rock. Well, part of what you said last week about the bye week coming at the an opportune time for the Packers was because there were some people who needed to get healthy. Uh, it appears that that worked. Am I, am I off on that? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. So later, the initial injury report for the Green Bay Packers was released a few hours ago or so. 
Um, the only one that did not practice is Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell's probably going to be out, I would guess, a handful of more weeks. He's suffering that high ankle sprain he suffered in the yeah. – uh, the it was play one of the Saints game back in I believe that was week two, um, so he's he's going to be, or week three excuse me he'll be out for uh, for quite some time but he's the only one on there Brian so that's encouraging news I mean other guys were listed on there but they all practice Aaron Jones being the main attraction on that injury was, list uh, you would just you would hope man if that if he's practicing and and he talked in his, at his locker room post uh, post practice things are looking are looking up for for number thirty three. Well, he they held him out, obviously, from the Raiders game. Then he had the extra week off. Uh, he was at practice, and they, according to reports, that he was running at full speed. So that has to be that has to buoy the hearts of the Packers fans everywhere. And Matt Lafleur probably, because I'm sure there's not <laughs> many other people in Titletown in Packer Nation that are more thrilled to see number 33, a healthy number 33, and what he brings to this offense. I talked about it this week that, and again, I talked about it with you last week. This team just has struggled to, to have an identity. There is, there is no identity on this Packers offense when it comes to running or passing the ball, right? You know, Jordan loves still trying to find his way. You got Romeo Dobbs, second year wide out. Christian Watson hasn't been healthy. AJ Dillon doesn't look like a feature back, but Aaron Jones out of all those names, all those people I just listed, he's the proven guy, right? He's the, He's your yep. feature back. He's your home run hitter. And when you have a guy like that in your offense, it's easy to play call. It's easy to game plan. And, you know, who knows when that injury, uh, Aaron Jones talked about it, and, uh, it, you know, getting re-injured in that hamstring uh, earlier in that week prior to the Raiders game. Right. So, again, they could have been fully anticipating Aaron Jones to play that week. And then Thursday or Friday, he, you know, pulls his hamstring again and it kind of throws a wrench in their plans. But, um, it sounds like, you know, positive things out of Green Bay. Aaron Jones was uh, was thrilled to be back at practice. <laughs> Speaking of Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love was probably equally excited <laughs> to his locker room. He was, gl- he was glowing about having his guy back there because, I mean, just Aaron Jones does so much for an offense. And, and anybody that watches the Packer games know it's not just running the ball. It's, it's out of the backfield and what he can do in the passing game. And he's just an incredible leader. So, yeah, good news for the Packers on the injury front. You just hope that that holds through all the way to Sunday. So let's we'll skip to the other side of the line where the other the other encouraging news is Quay Walker is coming back. He's got fifty one tackles through you know basically four and a half games. So he's he's coming back. That will bolster the defense, which we've been talking about. Uh, that seems to be the burr in your saddle. A lot of uh, when we talk, that they're just they're too soft. They're given too much room. They're not they're not crashing through. How much of a difference with Quay Walker being back is that going to have? Um, you know, watching this team, Brian, up close and personal, Quay Walker is probably one of three players maybe that stands out to you when you watch it. Even you know, even when they struggle, and they there's no question they've struggled. If you if you follow me on Twitter, you know I've identified their struggles uh, a few times. Uh, we'll say that, um, but he's a guy that just stands out. He, 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 his performance on the field—it's eye popping, right? He's a guy. He's over six feet. He runs a four-five. I mean, he's quick. You know, and you're you're kind of getting a little sense, at least when you watch on television or you're at the game and, and you hear players talk in their locker room post game, and you hear Matt Lafleur and Joe Barry post-practice or post-game, he's, he's turning into that leader that I think the Packers envisioned when they drafted him uh, last year, right? And you're, you're seeing, yeah. obviously, with injuries to Devondre Campbell, it's now Quay Walker's 
defense, right? It's, it's going from the Campbell-led defense where he was an all-pro uh, in 2021 to it's now Quay Walker's that guy. Um, and, and, again, no discredit to Campbell. He's obviously suffering a, a serious injury, and uh, you hope he can get back onto the field because that's he puts you in the best position to be successful on the defense on the defensive side of the ball. But I think when you're looking at Quay Walker, yeah, I mean, he's instrumental to what they do on defense. He can rush the passer. He's a sound tackler, super quick. Um, and, and Joe Barry can kind of play him wherever. I would rather see Quay Walker defending Devontae Adams, Brian, than, than Preston Smith. So, uh, <laughs> All right. you know, that yeah, could, that'll that be, could good. be an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. We'll keep our fingers crossed. All right, so they go. We, we, everybody knows Packers are two and three. Uh, came off a disappointing game in Las Vegas. Um, another, you know, kind of a big loss with Detroit. But now they're going into Denver. What do you think was going on with Matt LaFleur and the rest of the coaching staff in this bye week? Are there, are you anticipating any tweaks? Are you anticipating even minor changes to either the defensive scheme or obviously we know with Aaron, the chance of Aaron Jones coming back, the offense is going to change a little bit. But since the defense is your pick a deal, what, uh, do you anticipate seeing anything different after the, the week off? I don't anticipate anything different on the defensive side of the ball. I, I just oh, don't. Boy. And Brian, that's that's not to be you know that's not to be you know negative, Nancy. I just I've seen the same thing out of the defense for the last two three years, right? right. I mean, really, you probably go back. You could probably go back farther than that. Um, so it's been it's been like the same story. And I didn't have any expectations for that defense for that side of the ball this year. So I'm okay with if they're going to be you know, middle of the pack, maybe the back end of the pack. That's just kind of what I assumed they would be. However, on the offensive side of the ball, I'm expecting big improvements going into Denver. Denver has the worst defense in the National Football League. And now you've had, you'll have two weeks to prepare, right? And I know those two full weeks, they don't prepare just for the Broncos. That started this week, but the week off, they did a ton of self-scouting. Matt LaFleur talked about it at his post-practice uh, press conference today, and he was like, man, he, he took the blame. I mean, he's like, my play call is just not good. It's not good enough. Right. Um, not putting guys in, in, in position to be successful. And I think that is good. That's why I said this bye week couldn't have happened at a better time because you're, you're struggling on offense. You're, you can't get anybody healthy. You needed that break, that little pause button. And I think the offense you'll see this week, especially if 33 is in the backfield, an offense that's going to run through Aaron Jones. And that only helps Jordan Love. I think, you know, when people look up, right. you know, the Packer game and they're watching, they're watching Jordan Love throw these interceptions or reading the box scores their next game. It's like, man, this guy, he stinks. He's this, he's that. You know, when you don't have a serious running attack in your offense and you turn into a one-dimensional unit, defenses will play to that. No matter how good or bad those units are, they will have the upper hand on an offense when they know you can't run the ball. And teams know – Green Bay could not run the ball. There's nobody in that backfield, no offense to A.J. Dillon, that they fear. Aaron Jones is a fearful player. Guys are afraid of him. He can break off a 50-yard touchdown at any given moment. So things will, I think, change for the Packers' offense. I'm anticipating they're going to use tight end Luke Musgrave. You and I have talked about him a few times. I'm big on him. Um, He's one of the fastest players at his position. You know, I think they're going to get hitting the ball a lot more. Look out for Dontavian Wicks in the next couple of weeks as well. Okay. He's been the most open, the most open receiver in the NFL through, I believe, week six. Um, one or two. I can't remember exactly where he's at. I believe he was at the top, though, as far as separation in his routes 
so he's a guy that's open a lot. So, uh, but again, another rookie, right? Another rookie, right. yeah. another guy that was selected in you know in the middle rounds, and you know it's it's going to take a while for this offense to get going. But again, having that bye week at this point in the season was just, in my opinion, instrumental to what we hope is going to be a positive second half to their season. Brandon Snyder is with me as he is every week for Tundra Talk. We're going to take a quick break, and then Brandon, I want to touch real quick on the Packers' offensive line because that's been, you know, there's been problems with that. But then we have to turn our attention west, and Russell Wilson and the Broncos are next. Uh, Sean Payton's team, of course, had 70 hung up on him a couple weeks ago. We'll see if the Packers can do the same. More of Tundra Talk after this. WTMJ Knights. Now, more of WTMJ Knights. Air is thin out there. Packers going to need that oxygen on the sideline Sunday when they go out to Empower Field at Mile High Stadium to take on the Broncos. Brandon Snyder is with me. He's with me every week. Uh, came in tonight because I won't be here tomorrow, and we are doing Tundra Talk. All right, one one quick thing about the O-line, Brandon, because we've talked about it with Bakhtiari out and the, the left side of the line being suspect. Elton uh, Jenkins practiced in a limited role we know that left side is suspect with Aaron Jones hopefully being back and being the presence that he was before the injury. Is that going to take a little bit of pressure off that side of the line? Yeah, I think having a guy like Aaron Jones in your backfield takes, you know, not only the offensive line, we kind of talked about it before everybody on the offensive side of the ball. And look, I mean, this, this right now, how it's constructed, you know, outside of maybe making a trade or, you know, another injury or whatever, whatever may happen, this is going to be the healthiest this offensive line is going to be from here on out, right? John Running Jr. was battling with an ankle sprain. He is back to being on, at the practice field. You know, Elton Jenkins, obviously, dealing with that sprained MCL. He's back, you know, and now the week off. They you know, had two weeks. They had a short week with the Thursday night game. Then they had an, uh, or a long week with the short, Thursday night game, then Monday night. Um, so they've had ample time off, right, to get right. right. And this yeah, is going to be the healthiest – this is going to be the healthiest they're going to be all year. So this is it, you know, what you see. But having a guy like Aaron Jones into the backfield, it just does so much for the offensive line because the defense isn't sitting back and pinning their ears back and, like, they're not running this ball with A.J. Dillon, right? right? Like they're And that's stressing out the defense. You saw it especially against the Detroit Lions, Max Crosby with the Raiders. But now the defenses are going to be a little bit on their heels. Like, okay, well, you know, it, you know, I could, you know, it, we have to defend right. the run with Aaron Jones. We have to defend the pass with Aaron Jones. You know, Jordan Love with the play action. So it's, it, it plays into the strengths of the offensive line. And this offensive line is built, Brian, in my opinion, for a pass-oriented offense. Uh, they're not road right. graders out there, you know. Um, you know, Alan Jenkins is, probably, is obviously your best offensive lineman, um, but. Nonetheless, having a guy like Aaron Jones makes everybody's job that much easier. That's uh, you sound excited. You're, I think you're getting everybody else excited uh, for good reason. Let's look at uh, Denver now. Denver, eh, you know, we remember we remember the the uh, domination <laughs> by the Dolphins, seventy twenty. Uh, Russell Wilson still still can get the job done. He's so he's thrown twelve touchdown passes, which is the fourth in the NFL, but. His he doesn't rank real high. The Sean Payton's offense is kind of being tailored to the fact that he's not quite as explosive as he used to be, just because he's older. Where do you see the Broncos? Do you see them as a, a team that is just going to get 
run over whenever they can, or were some of these defeats, and it's hard to say 70-20, or yeah, 70-20 is a fluke, but they're not going to be that bad every game. No, no, they're not. And, you know, Denver's like a strange team too, Brian, because, you know, obviously they gave up the 70 points like you just talked about to Miami, who's an explosive offense, maybe the best offense in baseball. But on the flip side, the same Broncos team played Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, former MVP, Super Bowl champion. They played them in a one-possession game. So it's like – Yeah, they held them to just 19 points. So you're like scratching your head. I remember watching that game. Like, who is this Broncos team? And like, you know, what, what are we? What are we going to expect with them? But you know, Russell Wilson always, for me at least, yeah, I'm a Wisconsin Badgers fan. I always love Russell Wilson. I and, and sure. he's always going to have a little bit of fear that he puts in me because he is, you know, a former Super Bowl champion. I know it was, you know, quite some years ago. Um, but he's a guy that can take off with his legs. He's not as explosive or quick as he used to be. Uh, but he's a guy where, you know, he can create plays outside the pocket. For whatever reason, Green Bay's defense has just struggled to defend that for so many years, you know, really since Michael Vick in 2003 is really when it started. Um, but, it, you know, so that, that there's that, that aspect of it. On the offensive side of the field, they still have a ton of playmakers, right? Like Jerry Judy, I know he's, you know, he doesn't want to be there and requesting a trade or he's on the trade block supposedly, Cortland Sutton. I mean, these are all high-end draft picks uh, on the offensive side of the ball for uh, for Denver. They haven't been able to block well, so you would anticipate, like, this is a good week for this defense to kind of generate that pass rush and, and see who's going to establish who's going, who's going to establish themselves as number two, right? Rashawn Gary's obviously the best pass rusher on this team, but who's next? Like, who's the next guy on this team? And, and that's where this week, and I talked about it uh, this week on uh, Wisconsin's Morning News, this upcoming matchup is this week will determine the path the Packers season goes because believe it or not, there's eight teams right now in the NFC. It's a terrible, terrible conference this year <laughs> with two, with, with three or, or three or less losses, right? Or three or yeah. less wins. So you are in a position as crazy as it sounds, as bad as that loss to the Raiders was as embarrassing as it was against the Detroit lions, you are still in a position to go to the playoffs. Not over yeah. yet, right? You win, you're three and three, Brian, uh, in week seven, and you would have told me this in in August, where Aaron Jones isn't playing, David Bakhtiari hasn't played all but one game, Elton Jenkins missed multiple games, Devondre Campbell's been out since week three. I would have probably said three and three. I will take that, all and right. that's a good spot to be in because you're not you're not necessarily going to win the division, right? I think right. we can all probably agree that that it's the Lions to lose, and and by Thanksgiving that might be wrapped up. Um, but exactly. that's okay. You weren't expected to win your division. But if you can be competitive throughout the course of the season, this last part of the Packers season, and win in Week 7, you're putting yourself in a good spot you know, to get into the Winter Classic there in January with the playoffs. If you lose and you fall to 2-4, and four, and let's say hypothetically it's the offensive struggles against the worst defense in the NFL, there's yeah. going to be a lot more questions that need to be answered. Now, you've mentioned a couple times how bad the Broncos' defense is, which is true. Their secondary, though, is pretty good. Um, so with that being the case, are you looking at, do do you predict like a lot of short passes, a lot of, a lot of short routes, runs to take advantage of the, you know, the, the defense in the close quarters, as opposed to trying to go deep? Yeah. And I think that is something that unfortunately Jordan Love has taken from Aaron Rodgers. If you remember 
you know, one of the knocks on Rodgers here in Green Bay was, man, the guy's always looking for the home run ball. And that's kind of what Jordan loves doing, right? Like through week five, he, you know, his targets downfield were the most in the NFL. And you kind of want to see that tighten up a little bit. It's, there's, it's perfectly fine taking those launch shots, right? Like Patrick right. Sertain, who you talked about with the, uh, the Broncos secondary, the a cornerback there, former first-round draft pick, maybe one of the best corners, maybe the best corner in football. He's at least in the conversation. Uh, but this offense is kind of built on the you know the quick passes, right? That one two yeah. three drop, your back foot your back foot hits that hits the ground and, and the ball is out. Hopefully, again, you know I don't want to keep repeating it, but when you add Aaron Jones, hopefully that changes the mindset with this offense, and you're not trying to push the ball downfield to get that chunk of yardage because you got nothing going in the offensive side of the ball as far as running the ball. So hopefully, that's the you know the identity with this team: run the ball, short quick passes, and not only that. But like, if you could play, if Jordan Love goes out there in his first ten passes and he completes seven of them, that's a confidence booster for oh, a guy yeah, that's, that's trying. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's trying to prove that he's capable of being the starter in Green Bay because this is still an audition for Jordan Love. He still has things he's trying to prove. So it's it's an audition for him to also you know be the quarterback of the of hopefully what the future. So having those quick short passes, number one, you know opens up, in my opinion, the deep ball. You know, you run those short, 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 and then yeah. you stretch the field with guys like Luke Musgrave and Christian Watson. They have the capabilities, um, but just guys haven't been healthy. Christian Watson hasn't been healthy. Luke Musgrave had a concussion against the Lions. Like, there's so many factors that go into this Packers season. It's almost amazing, Brian, that they have two wins. I mean, it re- and I know one <laughs> of them was against the Bears. But, like, it's um, it's amazing that, you know, they're really only a few plays away from probably being four and one. You know, they could say they're only a few plays from being one and four, you know, and play sure, that right. side of it as well. But I, but, like, I like the I first mean, way you put it better. I like uh, they're <laughs> only a few plays away from being four and one. Uh, and, and Brandon, and as we do and every... roller coaster ride. Exactly. As we do every time you're here, I'm going to ask you for your prediction. Oh, this is, the, this is the week, Brian. This is the week. I've called for it. Three times now. Luke Musgrave is getting a touchdown this week. All Luke right. Musgrave is getting his first career touchdown. Should have had one in week one. He fell. Um, I'm going to go Packers 24, Broncos 13. 24, 24 13. 13. The Green Bay Packers, they leave the Mile High City with a 3-3 three and three record, and they're coming home for a few games. So, And winnable games. You know, Keep that in your mind, too. I mean, they can yes, beat yes. Minnesota. They can beat the Rams. I mean, you know, they got winnable games on their schedule. Don't I know the excitement's kind of, you know, worn off a little bit on this Packers team, but if they get a win in Denver, they are right in the mix for the playoffs. And I know it's really early. It's still October, not even Halloween. Uh, but that's the beauty of, of that's, football. We can talk about playoffs in October. That sounds great. Brandon Snide, you can hear very, you can hear him on Wisconsin's morning news and he's gracious enough to join us every week for Tundra Talk. All right, I know you're back you're back to uh, the tightrope on Sunday watching the game, but I appreciate you coming in a day early this week, Brandon, and we will talk next week. Sounds good, Brian. Thank you very much. Enjoy your time off. You I, I will do my best. All right, let's uh, do this that is news time, WTMJ. Oh, a coach. Yes. Kites are already in the uh, National Toy Hall of Fame. We talk about this when the nominations come out and when the new toys are inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, I don't know if you've watched uh, the Christmas special Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when they land on the Isle of Misfit Toys. Well, the National Toy Hall of Fame has decided to give some toys a second chance, another shot 
at getting into the hall. They've dubbed these toys the Forgotten Five. And I want to get your opinion on which one of these five you think should go into the hall. So what they've done is these toys have gotten on the nomination ballot numerous times, all five of them. They never quite make the cut. So the Hall of Fame is allowing fans to pick one. You can vote. Uh, the winner will be inducted into the Hall of Fame along with this year's class on November 9th. If you go to museumofplay.org, you can vote. And the voting closes October 24th. All right, so here they are. Transformers, My Little Pony, Pez Dispensers, the Fisher-Price Corn Popper, and the Pogo Stick. Out of these four, or out of these five, only one jumps out as me as not a toy and not deserving to be in the Toy Hall of Fame, and that is the Pez Dispenser. Now, I am not throwing shade at the Pez Dispenser. I loved the Pez candy as a kid. I had uh, numerous Pez dispensers. I actually have a Captain America Pez dispenser on the shelf in my office with all my other Captain America tchotchkes. So I am all about the Pez. But it's not a toy. It's a food delivery system. It's a collectible object. It's not, it's not a toy. So I would have to say, as much as I love you, Pez, you're not getting my vote. Transformers... Uh, I'm too old for Transformers. They they weren't around. You're were you around? Were Transformers big when you were a kid, Matt? Not really. Okay. I think they might have split uh, you and I. All right. So they they were right in the middle. Um, all right. Transfer. I know. Listen. I still remember the jingle from the commercial. Transformers, robots in disguise. And of course, I saw the first Transformer movie because of the trailer that had Megan Fox bending over the Camaro hood. Uh, so I couldn't miss that. But that was the only Transformer movie I saw because here's an old man's statement for you. It was so loud with all the clanking. I just, I could not listen to it. So I don't know, Transformers, um, top tier toy, on par for a generation like G.I. Joe's were for older generations. So I'm going to, you know, I'll leave them on the bubble. I'll leave it to you. Here's one for the ladies. And some boys too. I don't want to. I don't. Oh boy, did I just? Uh, I just put myself in the target of getting doxxed and canceled because I said My Little Pony is for the for the little girls. It was marketed toward little girls. My Little Pony. I. It was before my daughter's time, so we did not have My Little Ponies in the house. Um, I know it was very very popular. So My Little Pony is another one. This one is a lock. The Fisher Price Corn Popper. You know what that is, Matt? Is it a corn popper? Oh, no, it's like that it's vacuum thing. It's the one that you push and the balls pop up and it goes, it sounds yeah. like a popcorn popper. It's got the clear plastic dome. Every little kid on the planet had one of those. And it was one of the things when you learned to walk, that was one of the first things you played with because you learned to push it. You heard the sound. You saw the multicolored uh, balls in there popping around like in a boggle dome it's that's that should be a lock i i would be shocked if a kid didn't have that when they were little now you might not have it might not have stuck around long but every kid had some sort of exposure to the fisher price popcorn pop i 
That's it for me. That's a lock. A lock. 100%. If we were, if we were betting, uh, Matt, I would put all my money on the uh, Fisher-Price corn popper. If we were in Vegas, betting on the, betting on the, uh, these five toys, the forgotten five. That's what it would do. Jeff says, uh, if it's forgotten, then I think it should be the popcorn maker. Transformers are still fairly well known. A Transformers band called Cybertronic Spree was one of the openers for Max Sabbath. Oh, Jeff keeps rubbing in there. I didn't get to go see Max Sabbath on Monday. My Little Pony was was more or less ruined by the bronies. Uh, Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll give you that one, Jeff. The bronies... uh, it kind of took it took things away. So yes, popcorn popper is a lock, or the and the pogo stick. I remember us having a pogo stick. I also remember that none of my brothers or myself could use the pogo stick, and I also remember myself and some of my brothers being injured, shall we say, by the pogo stick. Do you ever pogo stick, Matt? I love pogo stick. You do you can yeah. pogo stick. Great wow. for keeping balance, maintaining control. That's right. I don't. The pogo. thing I don't like about the pogo stick is when it uh, stops becoming a pogo stick. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just thwap. That's a great onomatopoeia. Thwap. Thwap. Because it's yeah, that's it. Sounds just like that when you hit the ground. Uh, I'm I'm impressed that you can pogo. So I don't know if I know anybody else who. Who will who can claim that they know how to pogo stick? Balance and control—two things I have struggled with my entire life. That might uh, that might be why. All right, so Matt, would you vote pogo stick in, or would you uh, say nay? I voted in. All right. So out of the five, we're voting for the Fisher Price corn popper and the pogo stick. Those are our two. I don't know about you. Uh, if you want to weigh in and cast your vote here, you can, but then you can also go to museumofplay.org and cast your vote. Um, but there it is. More toys. I am. It's funny. Sometimes I don't think about toys, but I see this list and then I start thinking. I'm like, oh man, I wonder if I, you know, are there any toys that I still want? There really aren't. Uh, one, because I'm a grown man and, you know, I have games and stuff, but that's enough. I'll get a few more Marvel things for the uh, for the office. All right, when we come back, it's not a full-fledged drive-through window, but there is some exciting news as we head toward All Hallows Eve. We'll talk about that and more. It's WTMJ Nights. Butter pecan coffee at Dunkin'. That was Dunkin pretty donuts, good. You mean? Uh, yes. And I was shocked by the bill. Shout out Culver's, yeah. I've heard very good things about their fish fried. I'm going to go to Panera, I'm going to get a bagel sandwich. Doritos and Papa John's are teaming up. Anything that says ranch. That's why I barely watch a Western about cattle drives. Uh, because of you guys, I had to analyze the hamburger. <laughs> we eat fast food quite a lot. We talk about it even more. Let's visit the WTMJ Night drive through window one more time. With Brian Noonan. Oh, uh, we love the drive-thru window because we love treats. Uh, not a whole lot of food news this week, but this is very, very exciting. If you are, um, if you have children, 
Or if you are a child at heart, maybe you are a, a 90s baby or an aughts baby and you, you remember fondly this time of year going to McDonald's. Well, good news, my friends. As reported right here on drive Through Window a number of months ago, pardon me, the Boo Buckets are back at McDonald's. Yay! Halloween is right around the corner. The Boo Buckets are back. It is the Happy Meal container that will double as a trick-or-treat bucket. Now, granted, it's a trick-or-treat bucket for small children or the lazy because you can't fit a whole lot in there, but you can fit enough in there for a nice, uh, a nice treat. So the Boo Buckets are on sale now everywhere, well, at McDonald's, everywhere, until Halloween or until supplies last. So if you're thinking to yourself, you know what I'm going to do? I, Halloween night at about 8 o'clock, I'm going to roll by McDonald's after the kids have trick-or-treated, and I'm going to get one of those fancy Boo Bucket Happy Meals. You are going to be so disappointed, and your children will look on you with shame. Don't do it. If you want one, I would go now or tomorrow. So there are four different buckets. There's last year's Monster, which is green, the skeleton, which is orange, and the mummy, which is white. But there is a new Boo Bucket on the horizon. What? Yup, you heard it. A purple vampire bucket. I may, I may have to go, just because I like, you know, for school I like uh, one of those Boo Buckets would look good sitting on my desk, and maybe, maybe one of the kids would take mercy on me and throw a Snickers in there or something. So you can order a Happy Meal at uh, your McDonald's. You can get a hamburger or chicken nuggets, a side of fries or apple slices, and a drink of your choice. Happy Meals range from 4 to $7, depending on the store location. Oh, see? You go to some highfalutin McDonald's, you're dropping seven bills. i got to find out where the $4 Happy Meals are. Matt, can we get our investigative newsroom on that? Find out where the $4 Happy Meal McDonald's are? Oh, yeah, that's a massive story. Yeah, it sounds like something Jack could be into. Is he, you know, back there covering... Uh, back there covering Israel-Palestine and the legislatures and all those stories. Let's get to the important stories. Where can a man get a $4 Happy Meal? That's the kind of story we're looking for. That's what people That's what people are talking about at their kitchen tables. You know, they don't want to spend... Uh, if you, listen, if you get a $4 Happy Meal, that's you're getting almost two for the price of one at those $7 McDonald's. I, I don't understand how they can adjust the price. It's... Maybe it's different city taxes. That's the only thing I can figure. You know, uh, maybe in, uh, maybe up north, the taxes are a little bit cheaper at the McDonald's. I, there's a McDonald's by my house. I bought one in a week. I did this twice. I bought two regular hamburgers and a medium Coke at the one McDonald's. And it was, I don't know, let's say it was 550. I went to another McDonald's, the other direction, same distance, but the other direction. It's in a different town. Suddenly, it was $2 more because of the taxes in that town. Needless to say, I do not go back there because of the taxes. I have, I have other taxes to pay. We all got a lot of taxes to pay. I'm not giving McDonald's an extra 2 bucks. But if it means the difference between a boo bucket or no boo bucket, well then, I'm down. I'm in. I got it going on. All right. Let's uh, do this. Then we'll be back. It's WTMJ Nights. Oh, my goodness. All right. Somebody texted in. That's why I like the texting, because uh, sometimes we get very good information. Sometimes we get, oh, horrible things where we're going to hunt you down. But um, a 414 texter said McDonald's are privately owned franchises. They can set their own prices. Well, 
I not that I did not trust that, but I had to Google it myself. And right from the McDonald's website, McDonald's prices vary by location. Ninety percent of McDonald's restaurants are independently owned and operated by franchisees who have the ability to set their own prices. You greedy hamburglers. That's why in one spot you can get that boo bucket happy meal for four bucks, other places seven bucks. My McDonald's twenty six fifty. It's better. It costs more, so it's better. Right? Yes. Uh, Matt, you were talking about how you could pogo stick, and everybody was very jealous. Uh, by everybody, I mean me, but not Joan. She texted in about the Forgotten Five, the toys we were talking about a few minutes ago. She says the Fisher-Price corn popper should be in. I canceled the pogo stick because I put my teeth through my tongue when I was jumping on it as a kid. Not a happy memory. Oh. Did you rest you your any... chin on the bar? No, but you. I could imagine if you're jumping and maybe, you know, kids are sticking their tongues out, They're ta- you could be talking, and then maybe you fall or you start yeah. to you, you jump off. I, wow. Hit a crack? Hit on a crack. You didn't break your mother's back. You broke your tongue. Oh, that's awful. That is that is not an image I want to uh, I want to spend a lot of time on. But uh, I'm sorry about that. You never uh, you never put your teeth through your tongue, Matt. No, I've I've done some things, but never that. What a braggart! You can pogo stick without injuring himself. That would yeah. I just I did other like I rode skate uh, skateboard and stuff. Uh, but pogo stick, I just couldn't I couldn't do it. Like I I never would even try to walk on stilts. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't have... Well, now I definitely don't have that kind of balance. But even as a kid, I don't think I had that kind of balance. I could do a balance beam because we had one in our house, even though we weren't gymnasts. Um, My brother had a vision thing, a little vision issue when he was a little kid. And so we had to do these exercises with him to strengthen his eye-hand coordination and his balance and stuff. So we had a balance beam in the house, and we would all walk on the balance beam, even though we didn't we didn't have to. It was just for him, but we would uh, we would wander about. Uh, this may be exciting news for everybody who uh, loves to eat. Jeff is jumping rope right now, and that sounds horrifying. Yes, Jeff, be careful. Don't uh, don't reenact Jones injury. Uh, that would no 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 no. That would not that would not be good. All right, we'll do that. Uh, I'm going to save that story for a minute because I wa- I have a question for everybody. Does your shower or tub look like the setting of a creepy horror movie? Mm, Dingy, moldy, gross, out of date, just plain creepy? Well, then you've got to sign up for the Sidex Creepiest Shower Contest. Take a picture of your nightmare of a bathtub or shower, upload it to our website on WTMJ.com, and you'll be entered to win free tub or shower conversion and upgrade up to $10,000. And fear not, if you don't have $10,000, you don't need it, because if you're the winner, it is installed absolutely free, no cost to you. Here's how you do it. Text the word SIDEX to the Old National Bank talking text line at 855-616-1620 to upload that picture and show us your creepy shower space. Submissions are up until October 27th, so get entered in. Finally, fix up your creepy shower space. James, uh, James did the unicycle too. Oh man, people do it. Do you, have you ever done a unicycle, Matt? I have, and I have not. I will never. Oh, you haven't. Okay. See, nah. I, I would think with your balance and everything, the unicycle would be okay. 
My minimal amount of cycles is two. Okay, you need you need two wheels on that on that yes. vehicle. On the other side of the news, we're going to talk about monster movies. I want to hear your favorite monster movies. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. After the news, which is after this on WTMJ Nights. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Third hour of the big show. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Old National Bank, get old. That's how you get involved in the program. And it is Halloween season. Some people are already watching. They've been for weeks, maybe. You've been watching your scary movies, getting into the holiday mood. Uh, we have not, we have not, I've tried to get some scary movies watched here at the house, but uh, my wife is not having any of it. So, there's a new series on Netflix that I want to watch. It's gotten great reviews. Follow the House of Usher that's supposed to be very scary. Um, you know, the original Halloween is very scary. But then there's a, a different category when it comes to Halloween or horror movies, and that is the monster movie. Going all the way back to the classics, Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, um, the werewolf, not in London wherever else it was, but uh, I'm wondering, I don't, I don't watch too many monster movies, but then I started looking up, you know, monster movies and what was considered monster movies, and I've seen a few more than I, than I thought, and I did enjoy some of the ones, but I want to hear from you, monster movies that you would recommend because, one, the monster is really scary, two, you are going to guarantee at least one or two jump takes from this. Matt, are you, do you like monster movies, or do you uh, stay away from them? Well, I just looked at a list, and based on the list that I saw, I would consider myself a fan. There you go. All right. Well, we'll can, we will uh, compare. From the 414, when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, my sister was watching a movie called The Wax Museum, and it scared the, oh, little brown emoji out of me. All right. Very good. Jeff sending a picture of a, uh, oh, it looks like a beautifully framed portrait of the creature from the Black Lagoon. It was a family favorite, especially since we had a cottage on a lake. My parents brought the, his mask at a magic shop in Disney World, and we were hooked. Uh, Riku Browning, who did the underwater scenes as the creature, was considered the last surviving universal monster and did a lot of interactive stuff with fans until he passed away recently, I think about a year ago, but that might be wrong. I, I'm sure I've, I mean, I know who the creature of the Black Lagoon is. I don't know if I've ever seen the movie. I know the creature grabs a woman and takes her hostage, but... I don't really, I'm not too familiar with the creature from the Black Lagoon. But if it was, if it was in that era, I was definitely aware of it. There used to be, and I was maybe in fourth or fifth grade, there was a series of models that came out of the classic monsters. And I think I put together Frankenstein and I may have put together the mummy, who, can we please be honest? Uh, except for the Brendan Fraser, the original Brendan Fraser mummy, the mummy is the weakest of all monsters. Because 
all through the 50s, 60s, 70s, the mummy didn't walk at all or run or he was, he was just slow. He just plodding along. Oh, I'm a mummy. I'm wrapped in bandages. Oh, I'm going to get you. There was no way the mummy was going to get anybody. But then with the, uh, you know, updated special effects and stuff, Brendan Fraser's movie comes out, The Mummy, and all of a sudden the mummy's like, all right, that's, I get it. It's a little scarier now. Because before, the mummy was just a zombie in bandages and not the fast Planet Z zombies, the old kind of light, Night of the Living Dead zombies. Now, would you consider zombies a monster? I would say yes. Matt, what say you? Do zombies fall in the monster category? I'd say so. Because they're the undead? All right, we'll put them in the category. So I was looking at uh, IMDb, which is the website that you look up actors and movies, and it gives you their credits and stuff. And there's a lot of different lists about the uh, best monster movie, but this might get you you thinking. Uh, I mentioned this, and I was wrong because I was quoting Warren Zevon, but the number 10 monster movie, and I remember this one being the, the... monster being pretty terrifying an american werewolf in london now it's an old one and it it had a little comedy in it but um the the werewolf in that was really good here's a monster i never i i never really cared for uh godzilla the original godzilla comes in at number nine on this list uh 1954 godzilla of course uh, japanese science fiction because Godzilla is a prehistoric monster. He was resurrected uh, because of repeated nuclear tests in the Pacific. So he comes up, he destroys Japan, he reignites horrors of nuclear devastation. Uh, He was a monster that sent a message. The only full Godzilla movie I ever watched was, within the last couple years, there was a Godzilla versus Kong, and... One night I thought it would be a good idea to watch Godzilla vs. Kong. Everybody else was in bed. I thought, oh, this sounds like it would be a good time. Man, I couldn't have been more wrong. It was unbelievably bad. I never really cared for King Kong either, if I'm being honest. So number nine, Godzilla, pass. The only time I really got involved in King Kong, who, by the way, comes in at six, the original King Kong, The only time I got involved with King Kong, and please don't uh, take this the wrong way. Uh, Maybe I do. I share too much sometimes, Matt. I think you're on point. All right. Well, I'm about to share a story that may be too much. I don't know. Uh, In the '70s, a movie of King Kong came out with Jessica Lange as uh, the blonde, the woman that uh, beauty that kills the beast, Uh, and it was a big story in Newsweek. And Newsweek was in our Newsweek was in our school library, Catholic school library. And my buddies and I would all fight over who could get to see the Newsweek because in one of the pictures, Kong, his big finger is like resting on her chest, but it's pulled down a little bit, so you got to see just a tiny, uh, just a tiny hint of areola. And boy, for a bunch of eighth graders in Catholic school, that was. That was incredible. So that was the only time I was really into King Kong. Uh, and not really for King Kong, but that's it. Did it. Was that an overshare, you think? Matt's shocked. 
You can't, oh, yeah. You can't even put words together. All right, number eight on this list, The Evil Dead. This is another one I have not seen. Uh, Flesh-possessing demons get released in a cabin. Is this the one with, uh, I've heard about this, Sam Raimi. Right, Sam Raimi directed it. Um, He did that and Army of Darkness. And then Sam Raimi went on to direct, I think, the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. I believe that's correct. Don't call me a liar if I'm wrong. Uh, Number seven, Frankenstein. Another, boy, maybe it's just me with the old-timey monsters. I was never scared by them. I don't know if you were or did you did you always know they were make-believe? Because those kind of monsters didn't scare me. And, and again, it's because the movies were old and the acting uh, was a little stiff and the special effects were almost non-existent. But I liked young Frankenstein a ton. Loved young Frankenstein, but uh, never really got into the actual Frankenstein or Frankenstein. Told you number six was King Kong. Let's take a quick break. We'll go at the rest of that list, but I also want to hear from you. Some recommendations for monster movies this Halloween. Your favorites, the scariest, the ones where the monsters, you could really think that they would be walking down your street. We'll get to that and more. It's WTMJ Nights. That is the theme from what I believe is the scariest horror movie ever. And I'm not I'm not a horror movie aficionado, but I still get freaked out watching the original Halloween. I remember going to see the original Halloween, coming out of the theater. I went to high school with my buddies, coming out of the theater and being a little bit freaked out, walking back to the car. It was terrifying. Terrifying. Now down the road, I never saw Halloween 2. I've seen some of the, the last ones, and those were those were okay, but you cannot match the jump scares and everything from seeing the original uh, Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis, and it was just uh, nuts. We're talking about monster movies, obviously. And uh, even though Michael Myers was human, he was a monster. I'll, gi- I'll give you that. Dan says, if you can see comedy of terror, it's great. Vincent Price, Boris Karloff, Peter Lorre, Basil Rathbone, and Joey Brown's last movie, It's Hilarious, 1963. All right, Dan, I'll take a look for that one. Jeff says, I recommend two monster movies that are fun but scary. Fright Night, the original one with Chris Sarandon, and Tales from the Crypt, Demon Night. Jada Pinkett Smith is in it, but Billy Zane is so awesome in it that it's easy to get past her. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I'll check those out. I I have to find time to watch movies by myself. You know, because it's kind of rude if uh, to go say, I'm going up to the bedroom to watch some movies because you won't, you don't want to watch anything scary. So, all right, we were at uh, we were at number six. We stopped at number six with King Kong. Then we go to the Thing, the 1982 version with uh, that was done by John Carpenter. That was I remember that being pretty scary. You know, the Thing infiltrates an Antarctic research center. Uh, it takes up the appearance of the researchers. It absorbs ah. So, yeah, I like that. I think Kurt Russell was in that one, wasn't he? Uh, I can't remember, but I think he was. Uh, yes, Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, David Keith, and Richard Mazur were in the thing. John Carpenter's Vampires. I've seen John Carpenter's Vampires. James says Exorcist is the best. Uh, I will give you that Exorcist is in the top. 
Exorcist is uh, the original. Now, I haven't seen the new one. I've heard very bad reviews about this new Exorcist. But, uh, yeah, the original one the original one will give you nightmares. Number four is Alien from 1979 with Sigourney Weaver. I can still vividly remember the first time I saw the alien pop out of somebody's chest. Have you ever seen Alien, Matt? I have not. Oh, you should. Oh, it's it's good. It started the whole uh, the whole big series. It actually made Sigourney Weaver an action star. It was amazing. But yeah, there's a scene where uh, an alien just blows out of somebody's chest, and it is gross. Uh, Cat People from 1942. I I didn't see the original. I didn't see the remake. Um, it's a 1942 horror film. Uh, the story is about a young Siberian woman who believes herself to be a descendant of a race of people who turn into cats when sexually aroused. Hello. All right, maybe I check that out. So that was number three, cat people. Number four, or number two, rather. Number two is a monster that lives among us. It was released in 1975. Directed by Steven Spielberg. When the head popped out of the hole in the boat at the very beginning. When the girl was out swimming and started just to spasm in the water. And then you saw blood. You knew you were in for something scary. Number two is, of course, Jaws. Yes. You're going to need a bigger boat. Yes, we are. Quint drives the boat. <laughs> I love Jaws. And I remember going to see it when it came out, because I'm old, with my buddy at the Glenwood Theater, and it was terrifying. And I don't think I overreacted. I think a lot of people, after seeing Jaws did not want to go in the water for a while. Maybe you go in a lake, maybe you go in a pool, but if you were going to the ocean, you knew that's where the Jaws live. And if you were going out to, uh, you know, 4th of July on a, you know, northeastern beach, you really didn't want to go in the water. You've seen Jaws, haven't you, Matt? Numerous times. That might be one oh, of my remote good. drops. Very Okay, good, good. Jaws is one you have to... Did you... All right. So I remember watching Jaws. I watched Jaws 2. Um, and it was nowhere near as good, of course. Because now you knew. Oh. You knew what was going on. Then it got weird. I didn't watch any of the others. I read a description once. That I think maybe it was Jaws 3, where supposedly the uh, a relative of the original shark was made its way back to kill everybody. <laughs> I was like, what? Huh? No. So Jaws, number two. Um, another movie that scared the uh, poop out of me is Jeepers Creepers. I've heard of that one, but I don't know Jeepers Creepers. All right, and the number one monster movie on this list. I haven't seen it since it came out. I remember the monster being really, really gross. The Fly with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Directed by David Cronenberg, so you know it was weird. And, uh, yeah, it was it was weird. 
The makeup effects were created by an award-winning, it actually won an, uh, an Academy Award. They won a, the Academy Award for Best Makeup for The Fly. So there's 10 that you could pick from. Everybody has their own. Try not to scare yourself too much in the next couple weeks. We got to do this. It's WTMJ Nights. It's too much Thin Lizzy, and I think that's a crime. I need me a little Thin Lizzy, especially this weekend, because the boys will definitely be back in town. I am, uh, there is a show tomorrow night. I will not be part of it. I want to ask you if you've gone to your reunion, whether it's high school or college, or your homecoming, did it live up to the expectations? Now, I have been out of college for a while, as have my friends, because we went to college together. Uh, this weekend, I am going to my alma mater for homecoming weekend. And friends of mine are flying in from around the country. We're, we've got uh, a tailgate planned on Saturday. We're getting together Friday for dinner and drinks, and then we'll hang out. We're going to breakfast Saturday before the game, and then the tailgate, and then the game, and then out today. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And these are people that I've known, wow, for a long time. And I haven't seen most of them in a long time, but uh, so I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm hoping that it lives up to the hype. And I know a lot of that is just what we make it. What like if you go somewhere and you have these huge expectations and you put too much pressure on yourself it's not going to uh it's not going to be fun so i'm trying to stay as chill as possible um jeff is offering me bail money my daughter last night jeff since you brought that up um i was asking her cuz i drink beer you know so i was getting i was going to go and get stuff for the tailgate and she was like, well, um, how college do you want to get? Do you want to go back to your uh, and reenact your college days? We could get some uh, ping pong balls and play beer pong, and we could do shots. And then I said, well, uh, we all did a lot of that back then. It's not like we have to try to revisit our glory of acting like lunatics, because we had four years of acting like lunatics, and we did a pretty good job of it. But uh, I was like, no, I don't. I don't think we'll be playing beer pong at the. <laughs> She's like, oh, but we could do. Uh, we could do another game where we do shots. But like, no. Then she wanted me. She wants me to get Fireball and apple cider. You ever heard of that, Matt? Oh yeah, that's a classic. Is that a classic drink? Oh, at this time of year. Oh yeah. Okay, well, listen. Hey, don't at me. I don't know. I you know. I like. Uh, I like apple bourbon with some uh, apple cider. You know, to me. To me, Fireball is... Uh, you got to get the right amount. You do too much, you're not going to be able to drink it. You do too little, it's not going to be good. You got to get yeah, it right. It's just, I don't know about Fireball. I always have, like, whenever we go to Mardi Gras, we always have Fireball because my daughter likes it, her friends like it. I always uh, put some in my flask as I'm wandering around Mardi Gras. But uh, one year I had, uh, I was in my whole Mardi Gras attire and some... Some dude bros were complimenting me on my outfit, and then they said, oh, what do you got in the flask? And I said, fireball, and they laughed at me. And I was like, boys, you don't laugh at an old man about his drinks. This old, man, this old man's been drinking since before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye. So we're going to go down. It, it should be fun. And it's, I have no, 
like last year we went to a game. I went to Southern Illinois University. Just shout out SIU, Carbondale. Very nice. Uh, last year we went to the last home game of the year, and it was awful because it was like 30 degrees and sleeting. Um, the weather for Saturday is supposed to be 70 and sunny. So weather-wise, it's going to be a lot better. And uh, I don't know if you follow Saluki football, Matt, but uh, the dogs are 5-1. and one. They got a tough battle ahead on Saturday, though. I know. with The North Jackrabbits. Yeah. 20 straight that, wins. Is that right? Yep, South Dakota State. Oh, South Dakota State. Okay. Yep, yeah, 20 straight wins. Uh, reigning national champions. It, it'll be a good one. You know, North Dakota, or excuse me, Southern Illinois knocked down North Dakota State back in 2018 to end their 39-game winning streak. So who knows? Maybe there's something in the air. Well, last year, North Dakota State was the one. Those are the Buffaloes, correct? Bison. Bisons. Yeah, they look like Buffaloes, and they beat uh, they beat Southern last year. So we'll see if uh, if we could turn the turn the tides on South Dakota State. But it's it's fine. Have you ever gone to a reunion? I don't know how many reunions you might have had. Have you had a high school reunion yet? I have not. I'm only what four and a half years out of high school, less than a year out of college. So uh, oh, no. we'll get there eventually. Having Hold a mini reunion. I, I don't know if you call it a reunion. Snapped. Yeah. <laughs> I think everything just got exponentially older and more sore here that you were only four and a half years out of four and a half years uh, out of high school. Oh my gosh. James, Fireball, not whiskey, it's malt liquor. No, there's two kinds. You got to be careful. If you buy it at a liquor store, it is liquor. If you buy it in those little bottles at the gas station, it's not liquor. It's very tricky. So uh, we're going to have that and it's it's just one of those things where I'm very I'm very excited. Uh, I'm sad that I'm missing a show, but uh, I'll get over it, and I'm sure you will too. That uh, but we'll be back next Monday, so it's going to be it's going to be an exciting weekend to go down and uh, just revisit old friends. And uh, this is going to be this is a twist, Matt. My daughter is bringing her boyfriend with her for the weekend. Now, last weekend she went out to he went to Penn State. So she went out to Penn State for their homecoming because his parents went to Penn State too. So she had she's going from a stadium that holds what about 110 in Happy Valley, just about yeah, give or take. Yeah, I think 106 or 110. It's one of those. It's big, and I think uh, the new SIU arena holds maybe 35. Um, it's it's going to be much smaller, and I'm sure there'll be there better not be any mocking from this kid. Uh, or there's, there's going to be trouble, because you know he'll be surrounded by he'll be surrounded by a bunch a bunch of uh, old men who are drinking and reminiscing, and uh, we don't want we don't want to hear any uh, anything negative, any no uh, no drive, no uh, being mean to the old men as they try to uh, try to reminisce. But I also know we're not going to be uh, we will not be trying to keep up with the children. That's the the kids. It's for the kids, you know. It's not really for. Oh, I was way off. It has a seating capacity of fifteen thousand. Ooh, wow! That well, it's a small school. It's not a. This is better. This was built in two thousand ten. This stadium. Uh, back when I was in school, we played in McAndrews Stadium, which was basically high school bleachers, two sides of metal bleachers with a press box on top of the uh, the one side. That was the stadium we played in. But, ironically enough, for such a small stadium, 
Uh, I was there in 1983 when we won the 1AA National Championship. So there. What do you think of that? How do you like them apples? Um, that was uh, so. Those are the kind of things we'll be doing this weekend. Just you, we're trying to go to you know have dinner at some of our the old places, and some of them are still left, which is amazing. And um, so it'll be fun. So that's why I won't be here tomorrow. I know uh, Matt. You can look up who's going to be here. I don't. I don't remember. Um, but yeah. So if you've been, I'd love to hear if if you went to a homecoming or if you went to one of your reunions, how it measured up to your expectations. Because I'm trying to keep mine tempered so that I can have a really good time. All right, we got to take a break and then we got to talk about more things. We'll do that after this. It's WTMJ Nights. Boys of Summer. Very nice. Nice picks on the music, Matt. I like that very much. Uh, Jeff says, I went to two reunions, both of which were better than predicted. Uh, James wants to jump in on the old National Bank talk and text line, 855-616-1620. He's on the south side. Hey, James. Yeah, I've gone to most of my high school reunions, uh, you know, on, uh, and I, they were fun to some extent. But the be- best one was I went up to Madison uh, last millennium, and uh, homecoming happened to fall on the weekend of of Halloween, oh. and that was totally nuts. That sounds we went, like we, fun. We went to, it was. It was totally nuts. Uh, uh, we, uh, we went uh, and did all the bars on State Street and everything else, and by the time I, we were going heading back, we took the back roads. We didn't take the expressway because we felt we'd probably all get a ticket. Uh, yeah, or, you know, that was probably, probably a good idea. Did you run into any old girlfriends at the reunions? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, at the high school <laughs> one, uh, I did, uh, and uh, they were cool. Some of them right. have got older. Some of them got uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, Leave it at older, James. It, it was interesting. Wanna... Yes, they got older and interesting. James, I appreciate the but call. The one, Thanks hey, a lot. Yeah. Hey. Yes. Ryan. Yeah. The one that I went to was a couple of years back, and the ones that um. Went to went to one. Uh, it was a multi-class reunion type of thing of a variety of schools, and in comes in. You remember? Okay, you know, um, Farrah Fawcett from uh, of course, what, I remember Angels Farrah type of thing. Of course, I remember. Yeah. Farrah Hello. Yeah. Well, we had there was there was about five gals that were like Farrah Fawcett that that were in our class, and all of a sudden. I look at them. They had they walked out of dark and um, pages of a ma- magazine type of thing. They look like they hadn't aged at all. James, you're going to leave us all with a very fond memory. I appreciate it. Thanks for the yes, call, James. Hey, hey Brian. No, that, hey, yes, hey, James. Brian. <laughs> yes. Brian, enjoy enjoy your class reunion and then wherever you're going and everything else. Enjoy the whole weekend. Take care. All Thanks, right? James. I appreciate it. You take care as well. Uh, all right, so that is, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, the big homecoming. It'll be, it'll be fun, fun, fun. All right, what was I going to? Oh, this is sad news coming on the heels of uh, coming right on the heels of Suzanne Summers dying the other day. This just coming out uh, about a half hour ago on from Variety on X that uh, Burt Young has died at 83. Do you know who Burt Young is, Matt? Now off the top of my head, I'm doing some research. 
Did you ever see the movie Rocky? Yes, I have. Have you ever seen his brother-in-law, Polly? Oh, yeah. That's Burt Young. So Polly has uh, passed away. He's aged 83. Um, Polly, Polly, what a sad sack character in that, ori- that original Rocky movie is flawless. Even you can you can go back and watch it now, and it's like oh my god! And Polly, just uh, just such a despicable, sad character. The way he treated Adrian, and the way he, pardon me, treated Rocky, and was always an opportunist trying to get, trying to get things done. He was he was great, and I also thought you know, when they wrapped up the Rocky universe with Rocky Balboa. And he was there, and he had, you know, now he's an older man, but he still had that anger and that everybody's out to get him mentality. So Burt Young did a great job of bringing that character to life. So that's two. We had uh, Suzanne Summers, and now we've got Burt Young. Oh, Burt Young was also in Back to School, yes, with Rodney Dangerfield. So Burt Young, RIP. Who's going to be, who's going to, Who's going to finish out the uh, trifecta? Suzanne Summers, Burt Young. Who else is on the? Uh, who else is close? I don't want to play. A, I don't want to get into a Deadpool thing here, but you know it always comes in threes. We'll just wait. We won't make. I don't want to make predictions on people who will die. That just seems. I don't like it. That seems like bad. Uh, bad mojo. I don't want to get any bad mojo. Got to save up all the good mojo for the time when the police are coming to look for you. This is, uh, I don't even think I need to tell you where it's from, but Matt, where is this? Where, where do you think a story would come from with this headline? Man hides in drawers, uses whiteboard to evade deputies. Alabama? Oh my gosh, no. This is 100% straight up Florida. Florida, Florida. A Lakeland, Florida man. I... Before we start this story, I am going to tell you there's a part of me that admires this guy because, uh, well, his ingenuity. So he tried to evade deputies with an unconventional method uh, when they tried to arrest him for aggravated battery the other day. This weekend, it was 2.45 p.m. Saturday afternoon, deputies went looking for Johnny Yates at his home only to be greeted by a whiteboard with the message, Johnny Yates does not live here. (laughs) All right. Now, if this was a Marquette campus policeman, like we talked about earlier, he probably would have just went, oh, well, they told me Johnny Yates doesn't live here. It was right on the whiteboard. That's dry erase marker. You don't mess around with dry erase marker. So he wrote that, leaned it up on the front door, and uh, the deputies weren't buying it. I'm not sure why. I don't quite get it. why wouldn't you why wouldn't you take some anonymous resident's word for the fact that Johnny Yates did not live there. Not only did Johnny Yates live there, um he didn't want to come out. The deputies said they saw a person leaving the home who told them that Johnny was inside with several other people. Johnny, you got to you got to control your people. They start running their mouths. So the deputies used a loudspeaker to command Yates to leave the home. He wouldn't. After about an hour, they used smoke to get the occupants out. They still got no response. If you're not coming out of a house when they throw smoke grenades in there, you are hardcore. So then they send in the dog. 
Dogs don't play. They sniffed out Yates, the dog did. He was hiding in a modified chest of drawers. Um, the affidavit after his arrest says that Yates told deputies he ate methamphetamine and blue pills. Methamphetamine and Viagra? You think the blue pills are Viagra? He's not going to need them where he's going. Uh, four, he and four other people who did not cooperate were arrested. That's, you gotta, as much as this guy is, you know, probably no good, you gotta give it up for that kind of inventive, unique way to dodge the cops. It would be like hiding behind a door just going, Dave's not here, man. It's like Ferris Bueller. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't come to the door right now. Is that is that Yates? No, that's just pillows and a, and a mannequin, and he's rigged it up to the door. He's not here. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, good for him. I, I like it. I like the thought. We're going to do a break, then we're coming back, and this might be good news if you are a, a gluttonous individual. We'll get to that and start heading toward home on WTMJ Nights. Do you always play this particular bump? For the last bump, Matt. It's a nice vibe getting into the nine o'clock hour. Yeah, I guess it's all. It's always. I know it's because you surprise me. The rest of the show, every every other bump is always unique. But I know when we're coming back for the final segment that it's going to be that piece of music, and it is a nice vibe. I don't. I'm. I'm not mad at that music. I just was like, oh, I wonder. I wonder if that's if there's a conscious plan to your madness, or if this is just something that you happen upon coincidentally. But now that I know there's a, a method to your madness, I'm very excited. Uh, you know what else is exciting? So many things. I don't know. Um, before the pandemic, people used to love to go to buffets. Then people stopped going. Well, we stopped going out to eat altogether. And then right when the pandemic broke, buffets were not happening anymore. But... For those of you who like to go crazy and get your money's worth, good news, buffets are back. When was the last time you were at a buffet? 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. I used to, uh, I'll be honest, I used to put a hurtin' on buffets. But a lot of Americans now are shrugging off the concerns that we had during covid and uh, taking advantage of buffets, sneeze garden all. According to data, visits to three leading buffets were up 125% from January 21st. I'm not sure what the leading buffets are. I'm going to guess Old Country Buffet, if they're still around. That was a uh, that was always a popular one for people. They they were everywhere. Old Country Buffet. Uh, yeah, there are still Old Country Buffets. Okay. So we'll get uh, that. That's got to be a leading one. But I don't. What was Ryan's? Ryan's was a steak place with a buffet. All of these buffets were places when I was on the road all the time because you could you could eat there cheap, and you could eat a lot. So like on the road, doing stand up, I'd be out late at night, so I'd sleep late, and then I'd get up and I didn't want to eat right away. And I didn't want to eat right before the show, so I would like plan one meal. And if I was in a town, with, I would never go to a buffet by myself because that just looks um, 
odd. Kind of sad, right? Oh, look at this guy. He's so he's so big that nobody wants to eat with him. And then I just sit there for hours. Um, oh, Golden Corral is another one that is a huge one. Um, Ponder, oh, Ponderosa from the 414 used to have just the giant salad bar. Now, I haven't been to a Ponderosa. Oh, boy. I'm going to say 35, 40 years probably. I haven't been to a Ponderosa. We used to go as as kids. I remember Ponderosa, the steak's not being great, but uh, their rolls were really good. But, yeah, I'd go have one meal at the buffet, and uh, then I'd be good you know, until I'd had a couple pops, and at midnight I was like, i got to go get a Whopper. But, uh, yeah, that was hey, – are you a buffet guy, Matt? I appreciate a good buffet. The last time I was at a buffet, do you, do you, do you tend to gravitate toward one – type of food on the buffet are you one of the guys who needs those uh the snow crab legs that are very very skinny it depends on what buffet it is like is this a breakfast buffet is it a lunch buffet a dinner buffet you tell me the last couple buffets i've been to were my brother and and his girlfriend belong to a country club fancy schmancy country club and so for thanksgiving and easter we went for the buffet Thanksgiving actually wasn't a buffet, but they had they had appetizers and stuff on a buffet. Um, but then you got your turkey, the turkey and everything. But the Easter buffet has a little bit of everything. It has your breakfast dishes. It has your prime rib and turkey and pork loin. It's got uh, you know a little bit of every kind of food. And because it was at a fancy schmancy country, country club, which I you know did not know, um, there was oh man, there were crab claws and there were big shrimp. And there were oysters, and there were all kind of stuff. So I I stayed a little time with the uh, the seafood because I figure I can have scrambled eggs anytime, you know, sausage and bacon. Those are commonplace. I'm gonna eat stuff if I'm at the buffet that I can't usually get because now I'm going for quality over quantity. You gotta go for quantity though. If it's if it's all you can eat, I like to take a little bit of each, and then the stuff that I like, that's for the second trip. Okay. But that's only if it's a good buffet, because if I'm thinking right, probably 80% of the last amount of buffets that I've been to have been hotel breakfast buffets. That's not a buffet. No. Uh, a hotel breakfast buffet is warm sustenance, so you don't have to go wait in line and drop a ton of money uh, getting breakfast. Exactly. Just- it's it's a Starbucks, like, not, not like a Starbucks, but warm, gooey eggs from a uh, powder. Yep. Yogurt in the mini fridge, and Correct. don't forget the powdered orange juice that's mostly water. And don't the big cauldron of oatmeal. Oh. There's always the big cauldron of oatmeal that looks like uh, drywall paste. <laughs> but um, sometimes there have been a. I've been disappointed if I'm staying at a hotel for more than one day, and I come down one day and the breakfast buffet is unbelievable. Like whatever, their eggs are cooked perfectly. That never and happens. Got great potatoes and stuff. And then I come down the next day and it's like, oh. What happened to all the good food? The this day is- I have good hotel eggs, I don't know when that will be. I've had a couple. Now, uh, as far as a general rule, no. Hotel eggs are always... Uh, so the Pizza Ranch. I've never been to the I've Pizza Ranch. I've been to a couple of those. I've been to CeCe's Pizza. Pizza Ranch is good. Is it really? I wouldn't say top of the line. Like I'm not going out of my way to go there. It was a pregame meal when I broadcasted baseball in the Dakotas. 
and it was nice because it was one of the few places, like a lot of these teams pregame meal, you might get one sandwich or it was very little, but Pizza Ranch, all you can eat buffet, our guys would take advantage of that. Oh yeah. If you if you're with uh if you're with young guys, you know, guys in there uh, anywhere from probably twelve to thirty, a buffet is the way to go. Cause they're gonna they're going to put a hurting on it. All right, I've got to go put a hurting on Carbondale and everything else. I will talk to you all again on Monday night. Thank you for listening and being part of the program. Matt, thanks for all your help. Have a wonderful weekend. Talk to you later. It's WTMJ.